Arse! Fuck! Girl! Wow, the internet needs more stuff like this. You are now listening to Good, Bad, or Bullshit. Hi everyone, I'm Crofton Steers and I welcome you to Good, Bad, or Bullshit, podcast with Three guys, random topics, and unlimited opinion. With me, as always, are uh, my two bosom buddies, Michael Hodgins. Good day, sir. And Bo Schwartz. Why, hello there, Crofton. How you guys doing? Well, he sounds like a bosom buddy today. Uh, Better now that you publicly acknowledge that I'm your bosom buddy. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, I don't know what other kind of buddy there is, but bosom for sure is the best kind. Pretty erotic, I think. Kind of. I'm feeling kind of hot right now. You do have a fairly large bosom. Um, <laughs> it's true. I think that's a compliment, so I'm going to take it as such. You know, Bo, I think you should start us off. I think there's epic saga of Bo Schwartz moving has gone on for too long, and we have to close it. What has happened, All Bo? right, so let's uh, close the loop then on, on this storyline. Uh, I've moved, um, and I'm happy about it. There's all kinds of restaurants and cool, sexy people around, and it's way better than the shitty neighborhood I was in before, so I'm very happy about it. And uh, you're all invited to come visit me. If, well, if you quit smoking? <laughs> <I'm>, <laughs> <laughs> I smoke out my window. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> that doesn't work. Yeah. Okay. But um, I'm really happy about my new place, and that's all I got to say about it. So. Amen, brother. All right. So, uh, congrats. It's good. And he's in my neighborhood and that sort of stuff. If you want to come by and see him, you can do that. Don't visit me, though. <laughs> Here's yeah. his address. Please take it down. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But uh, no, good, good job, Bo. And uh, next year, um, we're going to start an annual tradition on good batter bullshit. Bo Schwartz moving tradition where uh, October, November, and December of every year, we will updates every week on Bo Schwartz's oh, living God, yeah. I, I gotta stop moving around the December time of year. It's horrid. Anyways, I'm not gonna get into it, but I don't know how <laughs> I got stuck in a December cycle, but it's just cold and stupid. So, Alright, let's uh, roll out the old machine there. Alright, Mike, give it oh, a call. I don't know if my lungs can handle it today. Yeah, I'll get it fired up. <laughs> <laughs> so, I wonder how many donations. We should start a Kickstarter fund in order to get like um, a clean version of the top yeah. generator. If Mike gets lung cancer, are we liable? <sighs> no. Um, I'll just go on Workman's Comp. <laughs> um, the topic today is banks. Oh, banks, eh? Hmm. Like, let's let's be honest. Right off, that sounds super boring. But I bet. Oh, no, it doesn't. It's an interesting I be- topic. I bet you it's going to be interesting. Yeah, but it's like, you know. It's like barber shops or something. Let me start by saying I hate banks, and that doesn't mean I think they're bad. I may think that in the end, but, uh, but that doesn't necessarily mean that's what my verdict's going to be. But I always start by hating banks. I'll give you. I'll give you an example why I hate. They banks. take care of your money, though. They take your money, so you go <laughs> right there. Um, one time, I had this bank account with, uh, well, whatever. I don't care about naming banks. Scotia Bank in Canada. And I had to get this account for a job I had because they did their banking with them. So you need to get this account. I thought, okay, whatever. And they deposit whatever my paychecks in uh, the Scotiabank account. And I had another bank account that I mostly used so, and I would transfer things over. And then I for, kind of forgot about the Scotiabank account for a while. 
And then when I, I went back, it was literally, I didn't check it for a year or maybe even two. It was a while. And I, had, I knew I had like $250 in it. And I went to take money out of it and nothing came out. And then I checked the balance and it was at, I was, it was $80 into overdraft. And uh, all my $250 was, was gone. And I called the bank and uh, I, I'm like, I don't understand where all my money has gone. They're like, oh, oh bank fees. And I'm like, bank fees? I'm like, I have not used this bank. <laughs> like, I've, I had not used it for anything since the time I opened the account till they stole all of my money out of it into overdraft. And like, like I owed them $80 um, for them having taken my money. That's what I owed them money for. So from that start, I hate banks. Like, like so have you guys had a similar experience like that of being screwed? Because I know they're all the same, but that's the bank that screwed me last, so I forever hold them in ill esteem. Well, I mean, it sounds like you got screwed out of uh, how much money? 80 bucks? Well, it was about two, $250. It was, but just, just, a, it was just a long forgotten account? Yeah, and it was just because they char- a lot of banks will charge you a monthly fee for you know the services they provide. Service yeah. I'm using doing air quotes here uh, because there was no service provided to me in that situation, and so they can charge you whatever you know eight dollars a month or something. And if you just don't you know ever look at your bank account for a couple of years, they can just literally siphon off all of your money. It's totally this was legal. A, this was a checking account, right? Yeah, it was a checking account. Yeah, because do they charge for savings accounts? Because I think no, this, they give you like one cent so, every three years in interest or something. Yeah, but they wouldn't have. You would have still had that two hundred dollars and not been in the whole eighty dollars if you had just been responsible. And moved it yeah, no, I, I guess account. I hold some responsibility, but I also feel but nobody like, called you and was like, "Hey, yo, Mike, uh, you're getting screwed here. Why don't we switch you to a savings account? Because they're in the business of making money, so." Well, like, you know, yeah. you, you may have a good point that it was just my <laughs> own uh, irresponsibility that made that happen. It's <laughs> potentially true. But keep in mind, like, but at the same time, they didn't, um, like, I received no services at that time. I know there was potential of services available to me, um, but I literally used none of those. And in exchange, so then that, that cost me $250. Right. So. I guess what I'm, what I'm saying is, so so that colors my view of banks, but there's a lot of positive to say about them, too. Well, ba- go ahead, Crofton. Uh, banks are uh, a hot topic fairly recently, especially south south of the border, right? They had the uh, the giant recession and the um, the mortgage problem, granting mortgages banks, to people. Yes, absolutely. There's... Th- it's part of the banking system, right. uh, but the banks I- in the states are a bit different than what we're used to in Canada. And honestly, the Daily Show ran a segment on this where they sent uh, one of their Canadian correspondents north, uh, and they cross-cut it with at the times him interviewing like a, a, um, an American banker uh, and and him I think interviewing the head of ING uh, in Canada. And uh, it was just funny, the stuff that they're allowed to do in the States and the stuff that uh, they're allowed to do, not allowed to do in Canada, really differentiates the two. And and people don't have the ill will that they have in the States towards banking and bank institutions that they, we, like, in Can- I'm sorry, in the States they have this ill will, in Canada we do not um, as much. Like if you stop a random person in the street, well, some of them might, might, go on mini rants about their banks. A lot of people actually don't necessarily mind their financial institutions in in Canada. Um and and I think that I think that's that's interesting, but from from my point, I've had a bank, the same bank my my parents started a checking account for me when I was born, had a same uh bank account to this day. Uh, and uh, really, it's just like being a you know a piece of my life that I haven't really given that much 
much thought to. So when I see these giant controversies surrounding banks, I'm always left a little puzzling because like we talked about lawyers, it's kind of obtuse. It's kind of hard to wrap your head around some of it. Well, let's talk like let's name some positive things that banks do. Well, I'm going to start with the very, very basics. And I, I read this book by George Bernard Shaw, which was very memorable, called Everybody's Political is What What. He wrote it in his old age when he was, uh, I don't know. It's just like he's basically said there's no ABCs of politics. So he wrote a book about it. And there's a section on banks in there. And he said the historical, I think, value of banks initially is just you could stuff your money in your mattress or you can give it to these like, um, you know, there's this family of strong, muscly dudes, and they'll hold your money for you securely because no one's going to rob them, and they'll charge you a small fee for the trouble. So the idea is you could personally hold on to your money, and there's a great deal of risk associated with losing the actual physical sovereigns or whatever it is you're using to to denote the goods and services that you own. Uh, you can hold it with some people. So the most basic service I think that we're at least first introduced to a bank is that it holds on to your money for you. It protects it. Um, if the bank gets robbed, they're insured, so your money is still good with them. And um, that's the most basic service a bank does. That's a good one. I can think of another one. It does more than that, obviously. Yeah, I, another one that it should be that it provides interest to your money. So aside from keeping it safe, which is a good point, you put your money in there, and then in theory, or <laughs> they pay you interest. Because I think to add on what you said, Bo, is a place to keep it safe, but it's also um, – you know, your money's supposed to grow over time through – like if you loan someone – the bank loans you money, you well, pay you, yeah, them yeah. interest. So they're supposed to pay you interest too, and they do, yeah. but it's a very small amount. So that should be a positive is you put your money in there, and then yeah. someone's paying you to use it instead of it just you know depreciating yeah. value. And the more committed you are to keeping your money with them, the more interest they'll pay you. Like if it's a savings account, it's a low amount, but if you lock it in in some sort of investment uh, vehicle, then uh, it'll – You'll get more, you know, if you lock it in on GIC, then you'll get 5% instead of 0.001%. You're not going to get 5%. Not anymore. <laughs> not anymore. I've been shopping for that stuff. It's like 2 or 3% and now. Another good thing, and this is like not just banks that, that offer this, or a good thing, uh, and it's debatable, but like the fact that, that you're able to purchase, I'm able to purchase a house. Uh, even though I've been very diligent in my savings is due to the fact that I'm able to get a mortgage. And in Canada in particular, we get uh, banks are one of the main providers uh, providers of mortgages and that sort of thing. So for me, that's a, definitely a, a plus because otherwise I would never be able to buy a that's house. A huge, that's a huge positive. But I think, you know, in a way to look at banks, I think we said a couple of good things about them. I'm sure there's others too, such as access to money all over the place, bank machines or international uh, access to cash. Those are all positive things. But I think at base, it's like it's like pooling of resources, um, you know, through 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 a bank. And so, you know, like you can't buy a house or I couldn't buy a house and, uh, on my own with money, but the bank has a lot of money that's held in trust by all these different people. And then, you know, you're able to with to, to draw out of it. But the thing is, is it is it is the amount of profit they pull off the top that makes it seem that makes them seem like such a holes, you know, like in Canada, all the big banks pull in like four billion dollars a year Um and, and, and it, I just question the amount of profit they take versus the service they provide. Because in theory, if you got together with, say, say you got 100 people together, and actually this is, I guess, how co-op banks work, 100 people together and all pooled your money and could periodically someone could borrow from the pool and pay it back, that's that's all a bank is, except that a, a bank is, makes a lot of profit. 
Yeah, well, the, the the profit may be an issue. A lot of businesses are like that. Banking's not banking's probably a good example of it. But um, I think we touched on it. It's not just people that are customers of banks, but uh, businesses. And um, you know, if you think of like, I was like, there was like the stability of banks is a really important factor in the security of our money. And I'm really hazy on it, but I read a book about you know the comparison of poker to banking and I was a section I read on specifically dealt with like the wild west and how you would set up banks and make loans and often these banks would uh, go under and they get their money from the populace lend it out to a business the business would tank and then the bank wouldn't have any money for the people and it would just go bankrupt and you lost your, your savings you kept with them um, so one of the things that banks engage, like one of the way, what th- things you can do a- a- as someone who's starting a bank is you can get people to bank with you, then bankroll, uh, you know, like an oil enterprise or send that money. Like that money is often used to bankroll corporate, you know, corporate loans or business loans. Um, and that's where I think the pro- they make a ton of money aside. We can get to that too, but it's, it's that they're making a lot of uh, they're they're making a lot of risks, and, and Crofton touched on the you know the the problem in the states where they went way out on a limb in a mass sort of way with all the the house foreclosures. They were essentially, if I understand correctly, they were betting on their own customers failing to make their payments or something like that, and um, it just got really convoluted. So, but I think fundamentally, banks are also there to help. Well, you know, you can't just have a city and people with money. You need businesses, and sometimes you need startup capital or ongoing expenses. And banks provide that resource as a beneficial service. But the the thing, and that you mentioned there, Bo, that I that I think, and this is what really gets my like alarm bells going, um, is is the idea that that uh, the their businesses and that they make money. The goal, if you look at the top paid executives, they're all like bank runners, you know, and like bankers, the term bankers is never associated with, like it's always associated with the wealthiest of society. Their goal is is to make money in the same way uh, a business does, but the services they provide are, I guess, less tangible than the services you would get from a traditional business. And I remember like as a kid, my brother won this contest being done by Desjardins, which is a, a cooperative uh, based in the province uh, of Quebec and has now expanded. And he received, for winning this contest, he received this this comic book. It's essentially, you know, graphic novel, like a Tintin thing about the founder, Alphonse Desjardins, who founded the co-op <laughs> and all his adventures that led to the founding of this co-op. And... Um, it, it it seemed it seemed like such a uh, neat idea. The idea being, uh, as you guys touched on, the pooling of money without the business drive behind it. But in the end, now it feels to me like just another bank. When I see it, you know, yeah. I still have the fees. I still have whatever, and I, I sort of feel that with all co-ops. Like when I go into Mountain Equipment Co-op, I don't feel like, oh, I'm the member. I'm a member of something. I feel like <laughs> this is a business. It's going to take my friggin' money, you know. So and and that's my thing with the bank. The analogy is often with the piggy banks. Oh, it's like a giant piggy bank, but it's not like that because they're actually charging you for a bunch of stuff. Yeah, well, I think that's the whole. You know, you. I just there's been banks like established, stable banks for as long as I've been alive, and um, you kind of look at a lot of this stuff and you don't see the value because it's just part of how the world works. And you're like, okay, I put my money here, and that's what I'm supposed to do. 
and then they find ways to take money and, and and it feels bad so it's like i think probably the banks are not doing a very good job of communicating their value and certainly school doesn't provide any of that so um that being said I, you know but I, I don't understand the value i they like mike's point your point mike was that they're making a ton of money and yeah, they make unfair. a ton of they, they make a ton of money, and it's always valuable, I think, to remember with banks is that they can't do anything without all of us believing in banks, putting our money in banks. Like uh, with without people putting their money in banks, banks don't have any money. I mean, people and businesses, but they don't like. Have, but but now they have so much that they can keep sustaining it. So the thing is, is that there's other ways to say borrow money. And I mean, I don't know the history of banks, but I don't think they have been around forever. I think that it that they've become more organized. I think it used to just be rich people who had a lot of money and would probably lend it out and expect, you know, interest repaid to them for the lending of the money. And of course, those just became institutionalized because um, it is a good way to make money, but there are there are other there are other ways to do it. Like I, I don't know why more people don't. Um, recently, um, I bought a house with my with my wife, and we borrowed a portion of the money to buy the house from family and paid them an interest rate comparable to that that banks were charging, and it worked out very in a, in a reciprocal manner because. Um, the our family could at this point banks don't really pay you much for for interest like they. They would. They like to have your money, so they'll offer you a bit of interest. But right now, you can't get interest rates that even counteract inflation. So your money is always decreasing in value. So, um, but but then when they lend you money, they make sure they get an interest rate that will be profitable. So it's not a fair trade. So you give them your money, they give you a pittance back, and then they take their money and they lend it out to you again or someone like you and make a huge profit on it. So it's just not. It's not a fair dealing. But when you can deal with Something like family, I could pay them the same rate uh, that that I pay a bank. Uh, so then now they're making an interest rate which is which is pretty decent compared to investments they get from a bank, and we're getting the same deal. Except I know I don't have to deal with a bank because I hate banks. So there are other ways to do it, but we just it's like we live our lives in this way that you must deal with banks. And I mean, I guess you have to be lucky enough to hope that you, you have a family that's yeah, able you, to lend you, you some money. You have, you're fortunate that you have a benefactor. Right, and it's not only a benefactor because it is a loan. I mean, and we must repay it, and those are the terms we we agreed upon. And no, not everyone's in that position. But what I mean is that there are there are other ways to do it. It could be family, it could be a network of friends. I mean, there's different ways. But I think this is one of the one major benefits of banks that you're you're actually highlighting here, because I think um, what you're suggesting is mixing friendship and family with money. And I think that you're fortunate that that you're in a situation where that's not caused any problems. But I think that uh, it is known uh, to cause a lot of problems for a lot of people. And I think banks offering sort of a third party solution um, it, to to the situation is is a good one because you know I I think I think about it in, in dealing like you know if I was giving my brother alone on my house or whatever I know it would be I know it would be fairly contentious like you your family's been used to giving money sort of back and forth and 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 that sort of thing whereas um I I know that that would be something that would take a lot of discussion on my side of the fence I suppose I suppose so but the funny thing about it is that like the reason it would cause problems in a family I suppose is if someone is a big a-hole and decides you know I don't think I want to pay you that interest anymore and then they'd be a jerk or pay you on time 
but if they did that to a bank, the bank would still get their money. Uh, they, they, so it, it works out. It's more that you're just – people have a harder time being an asshole to – uh, banks because banks have a lot of money to you know take legal means to to get back what's what's owed to them whereas some people I guess don't have a problem being a jerk to their own family so I guess you know there, there's a bit, there's a bit of a risk there but you know ho- hopefully it's people you know you, ha- you have to be more if you're doing creative sorts of borrowing that doesn't involve banks I guess you have to be you know really true to your word and there has to be a good element of trust involved and yeah and no, if there's, banks if do there's, there's, there's fallout it goes to civil court. And family relationships are ruined. But I mean, yeah, there are ways to remedy, remedy that as too. well. Miscommunication, you can have like, and I've seen, I've seen it uh, where nobody's being an asshole. It's just miscommunication, uh, and and and. But I, I'm not, I'm not shying people away from it. I agree with what Mike's saying. I just, I just think that it's, it's. He's lucky to be in that situation, and it, it doesn't take away from the um, the merit of ha- having banks. If you can get away with not using something, if you can do something yourself, then all the better. Uh, just to just like change change uh, tax here, um, one thing that that I find frustrating, I guess, about banks, it, um, and I touched on it at the top, that sort of the um, the thing with lawyers and how when we talked about lawyers, how they were all it's confusing to know exactly what they did and the base function of a bank that you're taught when you're a kid. And when I got my first bank account as a kid, it's like, look, this place you give them your money. They hold it in trust for you. You're able to take it out when you need it. It's a safe spot for your money. Um, that's a very easy to understand base function. It's okay. My money is safe here. I can take it out when I need it. I can take it out from all these bank machines. However, as Mike said, they then get all this money from all this different these different people, and then they they start using that money. Uh, leveraging it to make to make investments to make profits and that and this is where it gets it gets dodgy it gets like they're you know they, they pay you a bit but they they're make, making they make obscene you know, amounts of money yes they know that if if world finance is a giant game they're the players and we're the pawns sort of thing and that's I find that is always uh, a little bit frustrating you know that they're always getting a better deal than you. And also re- remember this: is it is it the bank? They don't do anything to to make to make money in the economy. They just enable other people to, and there are leeches on it. So, you know, if you think of it, if you're an entrepreneur, you have, you have an idea to make money. You're like, I'm going to start a business and make this money. You might not have you might not have the capital to start it up yourself. So you go to a bank, and then the bank says, okay, I'll lend you this money, and this is what you you know you agree to an interest rate. And then the entrepreneur goes and does something in the economy and produces produces money by providing a service or product or what have you, and then the bank profits on that. But they have not done anything. All they do is move money around. All they do is act as conduits to uh, d- t- to pools of money. That I, and I'm sure that it's, and it, you know and I, I know that co-ops tend to go back and they just end up being like regular like banks again. But basically, they're they're prof they're profiting off of other people's sort of ingenuity and the service they provide is fairly minimal. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, they, they're the ones that are responsible for greasing the wheel. Like they would, pro- I'm trying to be devil's advocate here and say like, they're like, we're greasing the wheels. All this stuff's not going to happen. How else are you going to get the money? Like we can lend it to you. So of course they're going to take a cut and they're going to take as much of a cut that is as, as tolerable as possible. You know, but it seems like, like it's easy to be a bank. Cause I'd be like, say, Say Crofton was like, say we want to start a bank 
with the, the, the three of us right I'll here. invest fifty dollars. Yeah, so, so I'm the banker. So Crofton comes to me and he says he says, Mike, I wish I had a hundred dollars to buy a new phone. And I said, Okay. Uh, and then Bo's like old phone. And then Bo says, Oh Mike, I have I have a hundred dollars and I'm uh, you know it's under my mattress. I said, Well Bo, if you give me that hundred dollars, you know, I'll give you a one percent interest on it. So in a year I'll pay you a hundred and one dollar. You're like, Well that's great, Sweet. that's better than that's awesome. Amazing. So $100. And Crofton, I say, Crofton, you know, I can lend you that $100 till, till you get your paycheck, except you need to pay me back $125 in one month. And then you say, all right, sweet, because I don't have $100 right now. I mean, I'm exaggerating the interest rates here, but it seems like, wow, it's pretty easy to be a bank. And then when Bo wants his money, here, I say, your $101 and I'm up $24. Mike. And that's essentially how they operate. It's a very, very simple business plan and very effective, too. You just you just get a lot of people and you just multiply that. I mean, I'm it's, impressed with your business savvy, Mike. That, that, no, <laughs> it's your a good acumen. no, it's a good pitch. I I definitely see it. Really makes put, puts it into perspective I mean, how they it, operate. It, it would work better if you both weren't privy to my profit margin. There, yeah, no, it's true because uh, yeah. now I don't trust but you. The, so this stuff is bank. subject to government regulation, or is it not? And that's some of what the debate's about. Because I guess in the states, I know the big thing is there's barely any regulation on these federally. Federal level banks or whatever. Yeah, it's a big t- like soon as soon as uh, politicians are seen as tampering in the free market, that's that's where uh, alarm bells go off in the states. And one thing that's interesting is if you look at the top, the biggest banks in terms of value and size in North America. Uh, most of them are in Canada, actually, and uh, because the states has. Hundreds of banks. Yeah, they got where, tons down there. Where, where we have like six, and and so they're six for our entire population, and that, and and therefore are are substantial. There's some big banks There's like some Bank credit of unions. and that sort of thing, but I mean they're they're really not they're really not that big. But one thing that you see in the states is that when banks come close to insolvency, as as they did during the the, the financial crisis. Um, the, the, it's presented as an, an apocalyptic scenario. Like there, the news networks will be like, you know, countdown to the financial apocalypse. You know, the whole the whole uh, country is going to die because the banks are dying. So we have to bail them out, and we have to pay pay for them because we need them. Because without them, the free market falls apart, and that sort of thing. So I mean, they have somehow made themselves invaluable to our current structure and the way we the way we do business at least in the states but let's face it the states is the big leagues and we're as great as canada is it's small potatoes next to it in the financial world yeah i i suppose that that's that that's true i mean there's also the elements of the with with that situation where the banks were buying insurance you know, we, we can, we're going to talk about insurance, I think, another time, uh, and it's always its own topic. But so that there's all these intricate elements of how that happened and having insurance out so that if, you know, people don't pay debts and giving stupid debts uh, out to people and then it's like, oh, great, they couldn't pay the debt. Now I get to collect insurance. So they all bankrupted each other because the, when it all went bust, all the banks tried to collect from the insurance companies, which were involved in the banking too. And then they went bust because they had to pay out all this insurance because everyone didn't. It was just like it's a complete sham. And then when you think about the fact that they're not actually doing anything in the economy to which they say it was so necessary, they're not doing anything in the economy. Like they're just leeching off it. They're, they're not they're not 
they're not making harvesting resources. They're not creating products. They're not providing services. All they're doing is moving around the capital and taking huge profits off it. They're barely even part of the economy. They're just like these leeches who sit in the back. I think you know where I stand on this. So I'm ready for verdicts whenever you guys are. But please go ahead. Yeah, I think I'm good to bring in verdicts. Yeah, let's roll it down. All right, let me start. Banks. Oh. Yeah, so I can't go so far as to say that they're bad, even though I kind of almost want to. They do provide some service. Uh, They provide access to money. They provide a simple uh, third-party way to access borrowed money to do things. But I think that the profits that they make are obscene, and I think that they overstate their value in society to their own benefit of course and they and they they do very well off this fact that we, that we that we think we can't live without them but i think that that's holy bullshit i think there's other ways to get at to get at money i mean maybe privilege or maybe working with friends to pool money i know people who've done that there's many ways to do it not just banks i think we need to start thinking more outside the box with money so yeah banks bullshit all right uh i think maybe i'll jump in next then and uh, I'm going to uh, join Michael in his uh, verdict and say it's bullshit. And um, really, I think I just echo Mike's thoughts on it for the most part. Um, and the reason that I choose bullshit over bad is just because I don't think there's a... I think banks do perform a fundamental service. Like, they're... they're I can't think of, like, oh, there's a better alternative. Why aren't we doing it? Um, some of the functions that they do provide, the services they do provide, do have value. But just being the middleman, they can exploit and take advantage of it, and they hoard resources, and that, that even affects policy decisions in government. Like, they have influence. Money is a definite barometer for influence and, and power. So banks having hoarding it all is, uh, is uh, you know... I think it's counter to the the social good, um, where banks are supposed to perform social positives for our community. Um, I think in a in a total free market, non regulated scenario, it's like, well, they can just look out for themselves and fuck everyone else. So, all right, and that's my verdict. Bullshit. All right, uh, so that leaves me. Uh, it's funny because when Mike was talking uh, earlier, I, I was I was sort of thinking that. Um, that I was going to fall on the bullshit. He made very, very compelling arguments. But you know what? I'm going to have to go in a different direction than you guys. I am going to say banks are bad. And and I had two sort of two versions of banks that were competing in my mind. I had the the pure base version, the, the idea of banks as an institution, um, just as you would describe any sort of institution and say in theory, what do you think of this? And I would say, well, in theory, I think it's good. You know, I think it's a good thing, or I think it's a bullshit thing, or whatever. But banks, I, what I'm, I'm consciously doing here and t- taking a bit of the bully pulpit uh, aspect of having a podcast is looking at the current state of banks. Uh, and while while they're okay in Canada to a large extent, um, seeing what what's going on in the states and this, I, I can't help see all these people get put out of their homes um, and, and how they how the bank plays people for fools often uh, and, and, and the entire uh, free market financial markets just makes me angry and it really makes me think that uh, as good as they are as a base institution or as an idea, the services they've been providing lately, at least in North America, uh, lead me to want to want to say that they are there. Recently, they have definitely been a bad thing. All right, then. So, well, there you had it. I'm going to be checking I, Crofton's house for money. 
Yeah, I thought for sure, Crofton, you were going to say good. <laughs> I, was, I was all ready to be like, you corporate chill. <laughs> but, uh, no, good for you for coming out hard on Banks, because I, I feel like you, you gave the verdict I didn't have the balls to give. <laughs> well, it, it, it's because you're, you're thinking about it as, um, uh, you know, uh, at, as objectively and rationally as possible, which is a good thing to do. And I try to do that a lot of the time, but sometimes I just like, you know, you think you, you want to give a verdict that reflects and boast on it before to being like, you know what? I hate this. It's bad. You know, it's not yeah, as bad. No, yeah. don't get me wrong. It's not as bad as base, but it's, it's bad. That's offensive than base. Better than base. Um, um, I, the one, one quick little point that I miss is going to take two seconds is just also that um, the, the way banking works is obtuse to the common, most common person. It, they don't make it any easier to do banking. If you go on their sites and try to look things up or get information, it's very hard to understand how banking works. Just, you know, with all the fine print and stuff like that. That's also crappy. They should make it. Yeah, simple. no, for sure. Yeah. All right. So uh, why don't we hey, take a... I have, I've got something in the mailbag today. Okay. So uh, you walking over there? Yeah, sure. I'll Chase away the birds. Watch out for the birds. You gotta use the broom. Jesus, I didn't even have birds in my house until this stupid mailbag. Well, God damn it. Tell whoever mailed that not to put bird feed in the envelope. All right. Well, this is this is a uh, this is a message from Jean Philippe, who is a uh, friend of mine from way back, and I was glad to hear from him. And he said, "Hey, Crofton, just listen to the latest episode of your show. Great stuff. It is my show, by the way. Uh, I just." Wanted to, to point that out. Um, the, single, the single camera sitcom That's style. Bullshit. So he was talking about um, sitcoms here, yeah. and he's saying that the single camera sitcom style to me is closer to the mockumentary or faux documentaire that has been around for a while. Think Best in Show or Spinal Tap, the Christopher Guest uh, productions. I think this is a reaction to reality TV, which shook the industry and had writers and producers think of new ways to tell stories. I remember reading in the late 90s, early 2000s about how reality TV would destroy written, scripted TV because it was just so cheap to produce. If you can't beat them, join them. Uh, I don't know if you've seen Summer Heights High. It's a television show from Australia, and you can see the episodes on YouTube. He's, he says it's one of his favorites in the mockumentary style. So that was, uh, that was GP, and that was, uh, and that was uh, pretty interesting because um, it's funny because when talking about sitcoms, I'd, aside from BBC shows, which we talked about a little bit, we didn't really think about exploring other countries and what, what they would but beyond that, I think when we were, when we were talking about that, we were often having we were having some issues talking about genre and saying what is this sitcom. And I think he did a good job of framing it as they're really they're mockumentaries that are short form and fit the same because that is a good way to define those single shot new ones that 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 we talked about. Uh, I, I, it didn't occur to me, so it's a good point. Mockumentaries, De- definitely the ones like The Office and all that that are clearly that are clearly fake documentaries. Mockumentaries. Yeah, for sure. Arrested Development feels like a documentary too. Yeah, it's it feels that way because there's a narrator and all that, you know, like in the way. And it's funny because it's it's interesting in that he's right in that they're not new. I mean, Spinal Tap. I mean, when was that made? But I guess the 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 TV thing is that they've really taken off on TV lately, and they seem to work pretty well. I I think Ricky Gervais in the Office in the the 
the Brit office led to led to all of this. I remember when it won the the award. It won the award for best show, and it was a BBC show at something like the Golden Globes or the Emmys or something. And it just led to a a spiral of these of these so, shows in the. So States. now one of us needs to go to to Wikipedia and change their definition of sitcom to take out all those mockumentary styles and make sure that they're not defined there. <laughs> defined improperly, they should be mockumentaries, yeah. TV mockumentaries. <laughs> all right, all right. Yeah. Uh, Community's not a sitcom. That needs to get changed, too. <laughs> Poor Mo. Uh, all right, fellas, that's, uh, that's all I got. You guys got anything else, or shall we wrap it? No, let's wrap it. Do you want to give the information, or do you want to leave that to me? How about you do it? All right. So if you enjoyed <laughs> the show. That's because no one else knows it. <laughs> and they're all different, by the way. But if you enjoy that's the true. show and you want to subscribe, head on over to gbbpodcast.com. There you'll find links to subscribe to our show on iTunes, Stitcher, and or just RSS feeds. Um, be sure to like us or like our posts. Uh, we have a Facebook page, and we'd love for you to join that, as well as uh, we have a Twitter feed, so follow us, and you can get announcements on when new episodes are released and when we go live on the live stream. That's right, there is a live stream. It's also on our site at gbbpodcast.com. If you had anything to say about this episode or anything on any of our episodes, you can email us at goodbadbs at gmail.com. Um, and feel free to send us a voice memo as well. If you want to record something, send it in by email. We will play it on the show. Um, all right, so uh, that pretty much covers it. Uh, Crofton, if the listeners want to know more about you, as evidently uh, this is only your show, uh, where can our listeners find you? Well, they can bank on finding me on the Twitter, at Crofton Sears. I see what you did there. <laughs> yeah. That's the appropriate music to play after a pun. <laughs> yeah, especially one that Crofton did. And yeah. Mike, uh, if our listeners want to find you, where can they find you? They can find me signing up for the Crofton Steers fan page at Crofton Steers <laughs> Good, Bad, or Bullshit podcast happy page. Is that the whole URL? Like .com? President, incidentally. <laughs> I, I got I got Bo to name that page for me. He named it differently <laughs> than everything else. <laughs> That's a really long URL. We're having URL. our first meeting next month. Crofton, you should stop by and do some autographs for us. <laughs> I'll, I'll consider it. My schedule is very busy. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, I just want to say uh, thank you for tuning in, listeners. Uh, we appreciate your patronage. And to Mike and to Crofton, uh, thanks. Good show. Good day. All right. See you guys. Next time for a full episode of the Crofton Show featuring Mike and Bo. Yeah, yeah. Show. Wah, wah, wah. <laughs> <laughs> ree, ree.